Welcome to Making Comics, a podcast exploring the comics process from two different perspectives. I'm Keith. I write the comic Kadoja, in addition to reviewing horror books and horror comics on my blog, KeithRFoster.com. And I'm Scott Loss, the creator and artist of The Second Shift and Wanders of Melisanda for the Accidental Aliens. Yeah, man. So it's, it's God, it feels so weird just being down to two. It's amazing what one guest will do. Um, but uh, yeah. yeah, man, it's, it's, it's you and me. So you know the rules, man. What'd you do last week? Um, so this week was a mixture of a commission and doing uh, Second Shift issue 10. So I, I had another commission in the works, in the wait, and I completely spaced on it. So he hit me up and I, I started on it and I completed it. And uh, so that was good. It was it was a fun project. It was uh, creating a championship belt for a wrestler who has, has a character. It's a very superhero character. Um, if For the wrestling fans out there, very reminiscent of the Hurricane. But he's kind of like Adam West Batman if he was a villain. So his, his wrestling name is Mr. Impressive. So I'm, I'm doing a custom-made belt for him. And uh, it was pretty fun. It, I've never done something like that. I knew I could do it. It wasn't going to be hard. Um, and uh, so it was interesting just bouncing some ideas off of him, kind of looking, finding out what he was looking for initially, and then just kind of going from there, taking combinations of belts that I liked and like adjusting and or just using them as inspiration and, and creating this belt. So that was about, I want to say, five out of the seven days. Um, because there's very, you know, minor tweaks here and there that he wanted to do. And, and after I would send him something, he would need like half of a day to kind of mull it over. And, uh, which is, which is fine. Not, not a problem. And so, but yeah, uh, out of the five days I was able to knock that out. He seemed pretty happy. I was, I was happy with the project and I'm glad I did it. But after that, I was able to focus back on the second shift issue 10 and work on some interiors. It's it's fun getting back to the, I miss it. I swear to you. It's like every time I stop doing interiors for a while, I forget how much I enjoy them. And um, I think it's I think it's the idea that like it's like I'm taking another step in the right direction with each page I finish. So um, yesterday I was able to complete uh, another page, and so I think I've gotten four four to five pages done on this next issue, and it's only 19 pages, hmm. so it's it's not not too long. And, um, and then, uh, starting the Kickstarter. So the, that was another thing. I think, I think the Kickstarter had been running since our last episode for a week. Yes. And, um, yeah. So the beginning of the week was that kind of, kind of dealing with it, finishing up the stuff for that belt and then, and then banging out an interior. So yeah, that was, that was pretty much it. And like, it wasn't too crazy. Um, and very, very focused on interiors so it has a nice flow to it nice dude nice i will say the one thing um because i as soon as i finished that commission and i finished that page last night uh this morning i woke up to an email from another client who i do pretty regular work for like he he gets commissions maybe twice a year and um there was an email waiting from uh from him this morning uh looking for another commission so i'm just like no you got to take the work while it's there yeah but I, I will say it sucks um, getting out of the flow. Like doing that one interior page really helped a lot. And um, I was just like, okay, it's got me back in the zone. Like it's all I'm thinking about now. Um, something we else, uh, something else we talked about in a previous episode was uh, me spending money on eBay. Yeah. And 
a lot of those purchases came in this week. Very inspirational stuff. I picked up a hardcover of Wildcats Volume 2, 1 through 5, and most of that is Travis Charest's work. Uh, I forgot that not all of it is, and so flipping through it, I was like, wait, what's this? I'm like, oh, this is definitely not him. Uh, but it was cool seeing his interiors, and uh, there was a couple more. My Batman Hush came in, and uh, so I'm still waiting on one more, but there, there was a couple other books that came in. So it's kind of like taking in all of that visual information all it's like so inspiring mm -hmm. that it just makes me want to stay on the interior so it's gonna suck to to break away again to do the commission work but uh you know you got to do what you got to do that's the nice thing about having stuff that you want to do i expect that the interiors will have some degree of gravity for you and it will make you want to you know obviously do quality work but also get back to them you know so it's kind of like do your do your commission work and then and then come on back and, and do some interiors because, you know, the heat is there. Yeah, I just I just hate getting pulled out of the flow. Like I was, I was talking to one of my friends about this, um, um, Andy from Accidental Aliens. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, she came over and we were working on some stuff like she was working on on a piece and, and I was working on. Uh, the, actually the flats for the page that I finished I was just I was working on the page and I was like hey I have another hour or two left in the in the night let me start flatting it for whatever stupid reason and uh, halfway through the flats I'm like what am I doing I could just hire someone to do this is kind of a waste of time <laughs> yeah so but you know she came over and I was like well might as well finish the flats it's like I'm not going to pay someone to to complete this so I did that you know we're just catching up and uh, while I was doing that I was like oh, I should draw this here and draw this here. So it was like the work wasn't even really done. Nice. And I think I think all of the work that I've done recently have has improved like my interior work. And, and I've said that previously. So it's just like, okay, my initial pass on the page was I thought I was done. And then taking a look at it just even a day later uh, with some fresh eyes, I was like, oh, I could do this and I can do this. So it's going to add some volume to my pages. And, and uh, so it's very beneficial. Nice, nice. Yeah. Yeah. But that's it, man. So what, what about you? Or did you have any questions? No, I don't, don't no, want to hop no. over I mean, to you. I, I see how your Kickstarter is going and you know, I, I made, I made my pledge, you know, my, my back. Yeah. Um, so yeah, man, I'm, I'm excited to watch it continue to go. Yeah. So any, anybody out there, you know, I put this, we put this on the end of the last episode, but you know, while we got you here in the middle, please take a look in the link below or go to kickstarter.com and search second shift drawtober. And that's 2ND, not S-E-C-O-N-D. So second shift, Drawtober, and uh, look for that Kickstarter. We already hit our goal, but uh, the more we get, the the better it's going to be for me. I'll be able to use those funds towards um, the trade paperback coming up or just adding interior pages. So like when I get to 1,500, if I get to 1,500, um, I don't want to assume, uh, I'll be able to add more pages to the back of this issue. Uh, which I want to do a lot of process stuff. I think there's some interesting things there that could be added, bookmarks and, and other stuff. There's other stretch goals that I want to hit, but uh, definitely helpful. So if you guys could check that out, we don't have like a Patreon for this page. So the thing we ask is support our books, you know, you know, greatly appreciate it. Rock and roll, rock and roll. How about you, good sir? What did you get up to? Well, you know, speaking, speaking of trade paperbacks that are available on Kickstarter, if you're listening to this right now and you want, you want to double dip on this, on the, uh, this podcast, um, Kadoja volume three is up right now. It should be. Um, so this is, this is one of those fun things where I say something now 
and it still got a lot of preparation, right? Because we record nine, 10 days in advance. So I know what that time's gonna look like. The the kicks, so that'll kind of segue in. So yeah, man, Kadoja volume three is live right now. Um, and I encourage you to check that out if giant monsters or indie comics or good comics are your thing. But of course you're listening to this. How could good comics not be your thing? You're here. So um, anyway, so yeah, man, uh, it's it's been... It's been a lot. I mean, I'll, I'll kind of group everything into two buckets. The first bucket is things funneling into the Kickstarter. So I'm happy to say that my Kickstarter is already approved. I did get it approved pre-graphic and pre-video. Um, I am going to record the video tomorrow night. I already have a idea slash loose script of it. And, uh, and so that'll be the final thing I do. I have been doing a lot of Kickstarter graphics that I can drop in there. Scott, I used your, I used your Kickstarter as a really good model, man. You will see some similarities there. The fact that you were, the fact that you were smart enough to make your, um, graphics white background because Kickstarter is on a white background and then put those neat black bars on top. I just took it, man. You know, um, I, I do, I do have my own font, right? So I, I, I'm not, I'm not that much of a plagiarist, but, um, that's, that's the thing. Once (laughs) you once you graduate you know school you realize that that you're encouraged to steal good ideas from people you know what i mean or or share good ideas that was a question yeah that was a question you asked me midweek was hey man what's the dimensions of your Mm -hmm. uh, your visual elements and i said just go to my kickstarter page and you literally can save those images you can save one one and just just copy it and uh yeah so for for any kickstarter people out there or uh, potential kickstarters uh just know that you can straight up go to kickstarter and grab someone's graphic and use that as a model Um, and i know i did that for the the thumbnail that that pops up on the Kickstarter, I just screen capped someone's page and then just dropped that into uh, my Procreate uh, app yeah. and just trim, trimmed it down and used the size and, and boom, you're ready to roll. Yep, exactly, exactly. So um, so yeah, man, my, my kick, the, like the Kickstarter as, as I record this is pretty much ready to go. The only thing I'm waiting on, I think, um, and I even got, the nice thing is one of the tiers is a um, exclusive action figure that we're only going we're going to press in a limited run that's intended for this Kickstarter. And so for people oh. out there that know about the Kadoja figure, it's a 3D printed figure. Um and uh and it's based on a design by this super talented guy named Dope Pope who did a 3D render of Kadoja. And uh and the exclusive Kickstarter color is is red. It is a very nice red, and um, and I got the first photo of it from the guy that's that's running the 3D prints for me, and uh, it came out even better than I, better than I expected. I'm I'm really happy about it, and I was able to drop that graphic in more importantly, so so everybody can see what it looks like. So as of right now, the, awesome. the only thing I think I'm waiting on is maybe. Um, Lance's cover and Lance and I have been going back and forth a lot and that thing is 90% complete and it looks awesome it is wild and super colorful and bright you know that's that's kind of the thing um, you know this is a story that's that's intended to be kind of old school monster movie with with definite seasoning of HP Lovecraft but when you see these covers man they are they are neon 80s big. You know what I mean? Like we are talking nice. super bright colors here. You know, this is not your typical black, white, and blood stuff. And and as much as I love me some black, white, and blood, in fact, a lot of the first, the majority of the first nine, 10 covers were understated with color. Um, we're really going big on color with this arc. And, and I think it looks great. You know, it's it's like, why not? Why not do it? This is our comic. Do what yeah. we want, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's it's always cool to change it up. Um, you know, it's like you do get settled in your ways on on certain things, but if if you can, you know, just rock the boat a little bit and for for a little while, you know, it and it makes you going back to those old things that you love. It kind of makes it it makes it better. It makes it yeah. uh, more exciting. It's like, "Oh yeah, I get to go do this again," you know. Exactly. So once you do this this bend for a while, you're you're going to be excited to get back to your other thing. Um, that's like the this volume of, or this issue of Second Shift. Um, it's it's done in a different coloring style than the first nine issues, and then the tenth issue is also going to be the the standard coloring style. Mm. But this one was interesting. It was more of like a, a anime manga uh, bend to it. Yep, I noticed. So that. it's just, yeah, yeah, and so it's just interesting. It's just like whoa, I don't think I've seen my work colored this way before. So it's kind of a trip. Is, is that the standard cover or is that like exclusive? The standard cover. So there, there's three. There is going to be the Diamond Distributors cover, which is um, which is kind of based in reds and fiery oranges and purples. Although the, the, you know, the dominant thing is, I think, some purple and some red there. And then the exclusive Kickstarter of the trade for this is purple and pink. I think those are the primary colors that you see there. And then Lance's, I'm going to cue it up right now, but it it deals in a lot of those same notes. That's kind of funny. My, my second shift issue, the, the primary colors on the cover is, is pinks and purples as well. Yeah. I mean, maybe, and, and, you know, I think there's something to be said for that being a bit of a design trend or, you know, how it works. But um, then again, I don't see it a lot on a lot of issues, purples, oranges, and pinks all over the Lance version. I'm looking at it right now. I love it. Yeah, we're we're uh, we're in lockstep with our covers. So. Exactly, we're we're, <laughs> we're synchronizing. Um, so yeah, and then in terms right. of, of other Kadoja stuff, I I continue to get um, uh, Will Perkins is now starting with the pencils, so the layouts are complete. They look amazing, right? So uh, now we're getting into some pencil stuff, and he, uh, I'm really happy with a scene that he did, which is basically going to end Volume Three. Um, it ends issue four, which is the end of volume three, and it involves um, a scene in like Victorian England. And just to see it, what's fun about it is those couple pages are more of standard horror, which is wonderful to look at. You know, I'm so used to uh, military interiors and giant monsters and, you know, a demonic study and every now and then like not much in Kadoja so far has just been like. You could look at that and be like, I think this is a horror comic. Man, is it fun. Maybe, maybe someday in the future, I'll get to do a standard horror comic with stuff like this. But, you know, Kadoja's pretty pretty big on horror. Anyway, that was fun. Um, and that's kind of the first big bucket, right? Kind of the Kickstarter and Kadoja and all that stuff. But there's a second bucket, mm-hmm. too. And that's that um, I just got word. So, you know, we hung this up, I think, basically when the podcast started almost, that I had finished the third draft of my novel and sent it out to readers. So since then, I've gotten one reader that, that I've already talked to and the uh, two of the other three. And, and at this point, once I hear from these two, I'm just going to, you know, it's, it's time to hit the gas pedal again. Um, I expect that I'll talk to them. One of them I think I'm talking to next Monday and then the other I'm going to talk to the Sunday after. So within the next two weeks... Um, I'm going to be ready to dig back into my novel again. Nice. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm excited. I'm excited. I've been away from it for a while, and I've I've not thought about it for a while, and I'm I'm eager to get back into it. Um, but in in doing that, what I'm trying to do is, you know, things are going to harmonize pretty nicely if I can just work really hard over these next ten days, which is I don't have that much prep to do for the Kadoja Kickstarter. And again, when this airs, it's going to launch. So then after that, it's going to be a lot about 
you know, me doing things to get the word out on that Kickstarter. In the meantime, I'm probably also going to be firing back up on the book and getting my writing in for, for every day. So what that means is I have a, a brief period right now where I need to hit animals very hard because after that, it's going to immediately jump to third priority for a while. And, uh, mm. and so I, I am, so I'm, I'm happy to say that I've done the layouts, very, very loose layouts. Cause I can't lay out draw. I can lay out with, with boxes and, and panels and then write in prose what is going in that panel just to give myself an idea. Mm. I am doing that. I have laid out the entire book right now, which is basically the last three chapters. That's what was waiting. And then I am going to write the last three chapters or at least write a much more detailed version of the last three chapters. I, I think I'd rather wait for the art to be complete um, and see what Albert puts on top of it um, before I really you know, go whole hog into what the dialogue is, but I can at least do three quarters of it in terms of direction, what's going to be said, maybe write out some of the dialogue and then just go from there. So again, this is, this is my window because after that, the priorities are going to change. So I, I plan on seizing the next nine, 10 days or so to uh, focus heavily on animals before they, uh, before it gets relegated a little bit. Yeah. I, I know what you mean uh, from stepping away, like from your script for a while, your, your novel, and uh, I think that's how I felt about the interiors. Like it felt like it was so long ago that I was working on interiors that I was just excited to get back to them. So to get pulled away so quickly, it's it's uh, you know doesn't feel I, great. I hear you. I've been away from this for long enough now, and I mean I I listen to slash read books every day. I mean I knock out somewhere between four and five novels a month still. And, uh, and, you know, you just pick up stuff and you're, you're trying to pay attention and you're trying to, you know, if they're, if they're audio, then I'm just listening with intent. If they're physical, I'm trying mm-hmm. to mark up pages and see what stuff works and what doesn't and what I like and why I like it, et cetera, et cetera. I've now been away from my book for long enough that I expect that when I look at it again, I'm going to be looking at it like an outsider. It really has sort of vacated my mind and I'm not, quote, too close to it anymore. And I think that can make yeah. for some fascinating editing when you kind of have that feel that it's long gone, but it's like, no, wait a minute. I can still change anything I want in this book. So, um, yeah, man, I'm, I'm yeah, really, it's not, it's not published. It's not. So I'm, I'm yeah. really excited, um, to get back to it. And again, I'm, I'm eager to get back to it and I will do what it takes to get back to it within two weeks and, uh, and we'll go from there. It's so interesting. Just like listening to you talk about it and, uh, the way I think about drawing now, it's completely different from when I was younger. And and you know, that old old saying, uh, "Youth is wa- wasted on the young," mm. and uh, and it's just so tr- it's so true because it's like you're like, man, if if I knew then what I know now, you know, like how many things would change. And I I was uh, looking at some books and I was looking at some figure drawing by some artists online, and uh, I was like, man, what I wouldn't give to be back in college taking those life drawing classes again, you know? And it was like, um, I remember a class in particular where the teacher was like, okay, focus, just focus on a body part, focus wherever you want on the body. We had live live uh, um, models mm-hmm. and um, just work on that. And uh, for the whole, the remaining of the class, which was like probably like 30 minutes or whatever. And, uh, you know, I was a fucking kid, so I was just like, so I'm not just, I'm think I'm just stare at her boobs for thirty more minutes and just draw some boobs. I mean, it's it is what it is, you know. I was you're fucking twenty three, uh, of course you, of course, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, I think at the time I was somewhere around um, 
you know, anywhere from 21 to 23. Yeah. That sounds about right, actually. Boobs. So I, so I drew the boobs for, for 30 minutes, but um, I was drawing a figure after looking at those 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 sketches online and, and whatever. And I was like, man, I would have focused on, you know, the hip bone. Like, that's what I would have focused on. I wish I had that time back. And I'm like, that's what my teacher really wanted us. Because I didn't exactly understand it back then. It's like, what do you mean focus on a body part? Why would I focus on a body part for 30 minutes? That's dumb. You know, it's just, yeah. I just didn't understand. It's like, no, this is for learning. You're supposed to be learning as you're doing this. And I remember even being a bit closed-minded um, taking the class. Like, I wanted to draw comics. And so any other style of drawing, I didn't need. And that's, that's how my brain worked at the time. And it's just like, dude, you can apply this later on in different ways. And you might like this style. It might be something you're into. But for me, it was like, it was the 90s, man. So it was like, uh, or, or early aughts. So it was just like all cross-hatching this and that. And um, yeah, so. Yeah, I mean, I, so, I, so you know, here's what, sorry, I'm not cutting you off, am I? No, no, you're good. Okay, so it's it's funny because I was thinking of almost that exact same thought for different reasons. And, and one of the things was my, my kid, she went to, um, she was over at her, her boyfriend's parents. This, this sounds like space balls. I'm your father's daughter's half sister's roommate. Right. But, but my, my kid was over at her boyfriend's. But what does that make me to them? Yeah, exactly. Absolutely nothing. (laughs) So, uh, she, she's over there and she was talking about how his older sister had a birthday and I think she was 22 or 23 and and I happen to mention that exact line, like people and and my my I think my version of it is that people say youth is wasted on the young, and that's true. But the thing is, when you're that age, it's just a birthday, you know. Like you're you're just young, and you're just being young. And and I think my you know so it, it made me really think about that, you know what what you were just saying. Although I was thinking it. Because I, I remember when I was working, and I think I was 21, 22, working a temp job, and one of the older ladies said that. And I, I sort of, like, I remember thinking, like, hey, yo, fuck you. You know, like, yep. like youth isn't wasted on the young. And I, I suppose when we say that, to, to your point of what you were just saying, we say it in the sense of, I wish that I had the focus I have now and that I knew myself then the way I know myself now. And that I had all this extra time to continue to do it. You know, I, I think that's generally the what people are really saying when they say something like that. You know, I, I think that's the way that I think about it. But but I don't yeah. know, man. Part but isn't that part of being young? Isn't part of being young like having no direction? Let me tell you an example of of why it applies to me specifically, and uh, you know, might not. So that's one aspect of of that saying. Another one is uh, when I'm in my 30s and I can barely run because I destroyed my knee wrestling when my wrestling instructor told me, hey, you shouldn't do that because that'll end up damaging your knees. But at the time, I was 20 and I was fucking indestructible. So I thought, and uh, my knee is jacked Mm -hmm. from it. So it was just like, oh, you should have listened to that guy when you were young because now you're suffering the consequences at 40 you know, I was suffering at 30, 35, um, and uh, fr- from those mistakes, you know, it's just like, only if I would have listened to the older guy, I should have just listened to the older guy. Yeah. So there is a lot of, a lot of what you're saying is true. Yeah. You, the 20s, your your youth, your 20s, those are for fucking up, 
But man, if if I could take a couple of the fuck ups back, like that would be cool. <laughs> you know, I, I, I understand most of them are educational, yeah. and it it is what all of our mistakes what are what make us now. Yeah. But if I could have not done that Bret Hart jumping clothesline where you land on your knees over and over and over again until I got it right, I would have never done it. You know what I mean? If I knew what was going to happen later. I mean, I, I, I wish that I would have graduated college and started writing immediately, but that's not how it worked. I thought I had a career rhyming. Not, I had a few minor league record deals that required me to give away most of everything and keep most of nothing. And I was like, nah. I just, this just isn't for me. You know, I'm, I'm not willing to sign this much away to get this. Did we talk about some, uh, did we talk about my chemical romance before on this podcast? I don't think so. And that, yeah, I was going to say, I don't think that's a sentence that's been said between you and I. Yeah. Um, so Gerard way. Yeah. Yeah. The writer of umbrella Academy. Yeah. Yes. He doesn't have as much money. Well, probably now he's fine with all the TV shows and stuff like that, but he didn't have as much money as you thought he would after his amazing music career. Yeah. Um, something that he did not know. And, and I don't think it was relayed to them was that everything in their writers and stuff like that, everything they asked for in their contracts, it came out of the expense of, of, of what they were getting paid. Yeah. So they were, you, they were, you know, getting these, luxurious tour buses they're they're doing this and that and whatever and so by the time they were getting their checks they were essentially nothing yep and uh uh yeah so it's interesting that you say hey i gave away everything pretty much and and it wasn't worth the cost it's like yeah gerard way was a very famous not rich person yeah which is kind of wild which is wild to think about yeah i mean you know the the standard line people always say is would you rather have 10 percent of nothing or 100 10 percent of something or 100% of nothing. And for me, you know, my my argument is I'd rather take the 100% of nothing and then try to build it into something. Because if you hit right and you get 100% of something, even if that's something small, by the math that I just said, it only has to be one-tenth the size for you to do just fine. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I remember, I remember an article with um, Parrish Smith of the hip-hop duo EPMD because I'm totally fucking dating myself. Um, if you if you don't know who EPMD is, go listen to some right now. You're a customer is a stone-cold rap classic. It's from 1986. I don't think you'll be disappointed, but and if you are, well, you know, you get your money back because this didn't cost anything. But Paris Smith um, <laughs> embarked on a solo career after EPMD, and he was talking about, and this this was back in like you know 2002 when you could still sell a small amount of records and make a ton of money. And he mentioned that mm-hmm. like one of his indie releases hit maybe fifty thousand copies or something like that. But he's making, you know, when you're making ten dollars a CD, you as an artist because you're doing it yourself off fifty thousand copies that's five hundred thousand dollars you can you can live just fine off that you know and and there's oh, no yeah. there's no label to go through or any of that stuff so i mean there is there is something to be said for the taking that quote unquote nothing that the that they say you're going to take and trying to build it into something i mean that that is so applicable to indie comics and what we're doing too you know i'm um, just taking it and trying to build it and make something of it but yeah, man, I I hear you with with the with the use wasted on the young thing. But I don't know, man. I I mean, there are some people out there that are just 
so emotionally mature and mentally mature that that they can be driven at age 22 and that can be the same way that they're driven when they're age 45 but man those are a rare breed yeah to not go too far away from uh the 100 percent of nothing and uh, uh building it yourself and you know having them come to you that's that's exactly what we're doing here on the indies and honestly this is the best time for something like that there's just so many avenues to get your product out there you know you can get it up on comiXology for free have your own website sell it out of an etsy store you know word of mouth through this podcast um i was i told you off the air that i actually got a kickstarter backer based off of my youtube page and that was kind of cool so there's just different avenues now uh, there's just way more ways to get your product out there and and to own a hundred percent of whatever you make you know um, back in the 90s, I will say, because it's it's not today, it's it's a different time, but Rob Liefeld talks about this on his podcast, Rob's Observation. It's a really good podcast, by the way. If you don't listen to it, uh, you should give it a listen, uh, like he needs our help. But anyway, uh, he was talking about that same aspect, but th- the reverse thinking, because um, he did both sides of it. And he said, you know, I, I was young, I, was, I wanted to make a name for myself, I didn't want to get left behind, Jim Lee was going to have X-Men number one. So I created Dead or I created Deadpool and X Force, uh, you know, to not be left behind. And he got a con, you know, he had he had a contract drawn up for Cable and and X Force and Deadpool. You know, it's just like okay, he's the creator. He gets ten percent, right, or whatever the number is. I don't I don't know the number. Fortunately for him, Deadpool is an insane monster hit, so he gets ten percent of like billions of dollars. Mm. <laughs> so yeah. so so for him. It was a good bet. So, uh, and where that relates to us is he then left Marvel to do Image Comics. Mm-hmm. And then he also made a buttload of money during Image Comics because he, he bet on himself. It was the same thing. It was like, well, I'm getting, I'm getting whatever the percentage was of the X4 sales, the, the, was it 4 million copies that he sold of that. And, uh, you know, you get your residuals. The X office was notoriously making tons of money back in the day. Like Mark Silvestri owned a house in Malibu with a silver Corvette based off of his X-Men residuals. Uh, And, uh, you know, so they were making money hand over fist at Marvel. And and Rob's thought was, what if I just do it myself? Mm -hmm. If I sell X amount of copies... I'll make exactly what I made on X-Force and and I don't have to have someone over my head and I own these characters and I can do whatever I want. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, so he did both sides of it. So uh, he was able to, you know, dip in his foot into both both ends and worked out marvelous for him. So, yeah, yeah, word up, word up. Um, all right, man. Well, that's that's all I have. So um, I, now's probably a good time before we before we wrap this up. That um, we're going to throw on um, because the conversation with Gary Hodges ran so long last week. Like, first of all, the episode itself is long. um, But second of all, there's more. So what we're going to do is we're going to stop pretty soon and we're going to tack on a rather long pop culture conversation that we had with Gary where we talk about a few things. So uh, hopefully you dig that and hopefully you stay all the way through because this one's going to push um, a pretty decent amount of time here. And, uh, and with that, we might as well just uh, wrap this up. Yeah. 
And uh, so just to reiterate to you guys, just to hit it home, we both have Kickstarters live right now. Uh, mine is until March 1st. Keith, when does yours end? Well, and let me, it's 22 days from February 22nd. So that would be March 15th, I think. Oh. Yeah, March 15th. 15th, okay. Yeah. Okay, so uh, March 1st and March 15th are the end of both of our Kickstarters. So for mine, you can go to kickstarter.com and search second shift Drawtober. That's 2-N-D-D-R-A-W-T-O-B-E-R. And uh, you'll find it there. Yep, and for me, it's uh, just same thing, but do Kadoja Volume 3 and look for the Kadoja fighting a, another giant monster against a purple background, and you're there. And we'll have, uh, hopefully, we'll have links to both of those in the description on whatever you're listening to your podcast on. And uh, you can find me at Scott Lost on Twitter and Instagram, S C O T T L O S T. And Facebook.com forward slash Scott Lost. Yes, and you can find me, Keith underscore Decibel, where I talk about horror, comics, all kinds of stuff. And uh, you can also check out at Kadoja Kaiju on Instagram, where uh, where we talk about all things giant monsters. And you can go to AccidentalAliens.com and find the second shift in Wanders of Milisanda, both on there. Or if you go to my Kickstarter, there is a second shift tier and a my entire library tier. So if you want all of the second shift stories that I'll be on Kickstarter and uh, that will, the entire bundle, the all my comics tier will have Wanderers, Accidental Alien Anthologies, Tale from the Mothership, and the second shift books. And then KeithRFoster.com is where you can get some articles and horror reviews and things like that. You can also check out Kadoja. And you can contact us at makingcomicspodcast at gmail.com if you have any questions, comments, concerns, anything you want us to go over that we uh, breezed over real quick or haven't talked about yet. We'd love to talk about that uh, for you on the air. Yeah, man, we have an entire episode that we probably need to devote to an email we just got. So, uh, so yeah, we, why don't we do that uh, next episode? Yeah, man, that's a good idea. Next, well, next next episode we're probably going to do a little something because I'm going to bring your I'm going to bring your beer down to you. But uh, but yeah, oh, we yeah. Can, we can definitely get that in the queue and uh, and talk about that stuff pretty soon. Sweet. All right, man. So I will see you soon with beer. All right, I will see you in two days, and everyone else enjoy the rest of our. Uh, a conversation with Gary. Yay, yay. Okay, so we we had one little bit of homework that we did. And uh, it started, I don't know, it started with something. Um, so we, we just decided that we all wanted to watch the Godzilla vs. Kong trailer and uh, and chop it up a little bit about that. So which one of you guys wants to go first on that? Go ahead, Gary. I know you did a little more research than I did. Did you end up watching uh, the Kong movie? I have not seen Skull Island yet, though I and it's a shame because okay. I suspect it's the one I'm going to like the most of these modern. I've seen I saw Godzilla 2014, of course. I've seen King of the Monsters. I haven't seen Skull Island yet. Okay. Yeah, Skull I Island is good. I actually haven't seen King of the Monsters. That's what yet. I've heard. I've heard Skull Island is good and I've always been a little bit more of a King Kong fan than a Godzilla fan. I'm a fan of both, but I've always if I had to pick, I would probably say King Kong. Uh, yeah, and I've I, I've heard Skull Island is pretty awesome, so I'm I'm excited to watch it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm obviously the you know. So for me, it's it's Team Godzilla. I'm a, a huge Godzilla fan. 
Um, I mean, it's it's you know one of the key inspirations for Kadoja, obviously. And uh, but I, I would say in terms of like the quick synopsis, um, since it sounds like we've all seen Godzilla twenty fourteen. Godzilla twenty fourteen was like a good standard you know giant monster movie. I liked it more than most. I thought Brian Cranston was awesome in it. Just a shame, you know that that his character died halfway through because the acting fire. Oh wait, he died. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's there's a certain point where we don't say spoiler alert anymore. Like it's been six and a half years. You should have. I think 2014. It. That's a good. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. We're past that. Exactly. There's there's oh, no, no there's no spoiler alerts anymore. But but you know all you the didn't acting... want to spoil a uh, Pan's Labyrinth, <laughs> which was like. <laughs> 2010 or something gary and i have different criteria yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah. but uh but yeah king so king of the monsters my opinion of it is that anytime monsters are on screen it is awesome anytime people are on screen it pretty much sucks um that I, i also think that it's kind of fan service for the hardcore Godzilla fans so you know I'm I'm in my share of hardcore Godzilla fan chat groups and I just generally hold my tongue because it's universally it's almost universally adored there and if anybody says you know like I don't know I didn't like it they kind of get shouted down you know because this is the internet mm. after all um, so yeah I will say that that I thought just anytime a person's on screen in King of the Monsters it's annoying um, Where, but the fights kick ass in King of the Monsters so that's that's the thing there and then Kong Skull Island, I went in with really low expectations, and it turned out that it was it was quite good, and uh, and it had a bunch of you know I won't spoil that, um, but uh, there were some interesting elements to that that uh, that I really enjoyed just about the the way the story unfolded. So yeah, I mean it, I don't know whether it's the fact that it was just good or because I had gone in with such relaxed standards, but uh, yeah, Kong Skull Island was 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 a blast to to watch. I think I watched it once, um, but it might have been on an airplane, and uh, I might have been with someone who was bothering me throughout. So uh, I do need to rewatch it. Um, I gotcha. d- honestly, I I don't remember that much about it, but uh, uh, from what I did see, I remember I I did enjoy. Yeah, man, it's a good time. It's a good time. Um, okay, so we all saw the trailer for uh, Godzilla versus Kong, and Gary did a little bit more homework, right? So, Gary, what were your thoughts on the trailer? Uh, well, uh, even though, as I stated, I'm a little bit more of a King Kong fan, just having seen the two most recent Godzilla movies, it doesn't seem like an even matchup. Like, it seems like Godzilla should basically be able to just tear Kong to pieces. So I'm a little confused about that. I'm a little confused about the sizes, their relative sizes. Like, is, is, I know for sure Kong is bigger. I, is Godzilla smaller? Like, what's going on? Like, how okay. can they both stand on an aircraft carrier? There's little stuff like that. Yeah. Now, granted, this yeah, is so all- it's, it- Apparently, so, you know, it's funny because what was it like the episode, two episodes ago, Scott's like the answer guy for Kickstarter, which, you know, is actually important and practical. And I'm the answer guy for shit like Godzilla. Fantastic. Totally totally impractical. Totally impractical. So at the end, I'm not giving away anything when I say really that at the end of Kong Skull Island, they make an overture. So Kong Skull Island is set, I believe, in the 70s. And at the end, they make an overture to the fact that Kong is steadily growing and has been. So that is supposed Mm -hmm. to be the fuel for why Kong is now the same size as Godzilla. As for the aircraft carrier... 
I I also struggle with that because Godzilla is 400 feet tall, basically in the in the new thing. So if Godzilla's you know hitting 400, then that means Kong's doing it too, and that must be the helicarrier from the Avengers or something. You know, like <laughs> that must be the biggest fucking uh, aircraft carrier you can possibly think of. And maybe they're all that big. I don't know. You know, maybe maybe I'm just a knucklehead. But uh, but yeah, that that was something I balked at a little bit. But in this movie, they're supposed to be the same size because Kong has theoretically grown to Godzilla's size. Okay, now this is the last like suspension of disbelief issue I'm going to mention because I realize like approaching these movies like that is sort of ridiculous. But uh, this is something that I just it did occur to me. I don't understand how you can even make chains that can hold Kong down, and yet he can punch out Godzilla. Like, uh, that seems like if he can punch out Godzilla, (laughs) he should be able to pop these chains pretty easily. But I did notice he's got some kind of weird, if you look at the trailer, he's got some kind of a weird green tank on the back of his neck. So maybe they're, like, sedating him or something? I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. Hell yeah, man. Where, where were you? I did a podcast way back in the day that was short-lived, but I loved. And I, it was really because I had to do so much research and I moved on to other things. It's called Nerdometrics. And we talked about this kind of stuff all the time. One of the things was like, I, I mean, I broke down Pacific Rim. I had an episode where I had a couple dudes who are um, <laughs> who have PhDs in neuroscience talking about how the neuroscience behind the Pacific Rim robots would work if it could exist and all this stuff, man. Huh. So yeah, we if you were around we'd have, we'd have definitely spent some time talking about that too because yeah no I, I, I uh, well and point. by the way Pacific Rim I never saw the second one the first one I really loved I thought that the first, first one's amazing. amazing it's so good and I, I yeah and this kind of I don't know if I I don't know your guys's opinion on the Godzilla movies so far the new ones and maybe this is going to be controversial I apologize if what I'm about to say is going to offend you but that Pacific you Rim already is a have good with example. your uh, Star Wars. Rise of Skywalker take, so you just keep going. I'm not going (laughs) to aggravate the Star Wars thing anymore. But so when it comes to these Godzilla movies, they haven't quite worked for me. Now, I loved the old Toho ones. I like I I thought those and, and I don't think it's just nostalgia. I think I just I don't know. I just found them more enjoyable. There's something about these, the two I've seen, the only two that just aren't quite working for me and I think I haven't quite been able to put my finger on why but I think and Keith like you I I liked the first one a lot more than I think most people did I thought it was pretty Uh good I thought it was pretty solid um King of the Monsters I had to say I was a little bored and I was trying to figure out why I think and using Pacific Rim as a comparison there's something a little joyless about these new Godzilla movies And one thing I liked about Pacific Rim, even though it had the human stuff, even though it had the drama, even though it had like the, you know, the serious and dark things, you could just tell they were just so fun. And you could tell that Del Toro was having so much fun making them. And that kind of made it for me. Like I, that was like, yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I'm in this, you know? Yep. There's something dour about King of the Monsters that kind of just, I was a little bored, even though the fanboy in me was like, I'm seeing all the Godzilla stuff I think I want to see, and yet I'm a little underwhelmed. Yep. Was the director of that movie, were they a fan of Godzilla, or was it a paycheck? Okay, so the the answer of, for the, for the, actually, what do you, what do you think, just out of curiosity, Scott? 
I, I didn't see that moon. I didn't see that the second, second one? one. Gary, what do you? Yeah, think I didn't see King of the Monsters. I'm suspecting it was a paycheck for King of the Monsters. I, I would think just because there's something I don't get a lot of enthusiasm. There's nothing about it that reads as there is an enthusiastic creator behind this. It looked yeah. at, to me a lot like. These are the cool things that a Godzilla fan would like to see. Let's just work down our list. Yep. Wait, so you, I have a question. You, okay, hold on. Uh, I have, well, hold on. I have let, a me, let me answer that real quick. Let me answer that real quick. Okay. okay. So the answer is it's actually uh, the reverse. The person who did King of the Monsters was, is a big fan of Godzilla. And I think, Gary, that last that last part you talked about, that they like, oh, this monster fight would be cool. That monster fight would be cool. That That's where all the fandom went in. Right. That like, Mm. wouldn't it be cool? Like, I I mean, as a Godzilla nerd, that movie has a badass King Ghidra in it, you know. So, you know, when it comes to King Ghidra, it was like, shit, this is a dope version, you know, like just so badass. And uh, and again, so many really cool fights. But it feels like a lot of the a lot of the energy was behind the fights and and none of the uh, none of it was was elsewhere. Well, that's where, I mean, I think almost everyone, probably, I would assume, even people who really liked the Godzilla movies so far, almost everyone, I think, can agree that where these movies have definitely been falling short is in with the human part. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Was was King of the Monsters, was, like, they kept on finding more and more monsters, like they were digging into the earth and just finding more of them? Was was that a thing? And then they were doing something like cutting up the monsters, like after they were killed and like selling the meat or some shit. Uh, no, that specific rim, really. Okay, yeah. never mind. Yes, okay, then I did not see this. <laughs> yeah, King, King, King of the Monsters is is the monsters were all there, and the Monarch Corporation has found them. But we, but on like on like the first minute of King of the Monsters. I mean, you find this out later, but basically Monarch has 18 or so or whatever it is under containment, right? So there's a whole lot of goddamn monsters in this, but when the movie starts, those monsters are already, you know, they already exist at least in the world of the movie, and you as a a, a outsider are finding that out, if that makes sense. Uh, Okay, okay. It's kind of a jarring switch from, in my opinion, from 2014 to King of the Monsters, where... 2014, you're basically like, oh, wow, there are big monsters underground. And then the yeah. next one, it's like, oh, they're everywhere and we all know about it. Yeah, mm, I agree. Yeah. I hear you. So, Scott, how about you, man? What were your thoughts on the trailer? Um, I really enjoyed it. Uh, going back to something you said, Gary, like with Godzilla easily defeating Kong, apes are insanely strong. So I think strength-wise, I think Kong actually has uh the edge but like i don't know ferocity or whatever maybe uh godzilla and then plus he has like the blast and everything so he's got a little more tricks up his sleeve but i think physically like hand to hand i i mean you know apes are strong as hell so so i can see that being more of an even match um if it was just hand to hand combat you know i hear you to say generally agree but with king of the monsters uh, it kind of is established again. Are we spoiling King of the Monsters, or are we confined spoiling that? I don't know. What's what's there to I'm spoil? Okay. What the hell is there yeah, to spoil okay. King of the Monsters? Uh, well, <laughs> it seems like I'll just go out and say it. Well, what the hell? We'll spoil Godzilla King of the Monsters. Loses. Look at us. We're going rogue. I, I think uh, 
King of the Monsters basically establishes that Godzilla is kind of more or less... Uh, I, he can't be killed. Like, I mean, that was sort of my takeaway. Like, if you just give him yeah. enough time to sleep it off, like, he'll be fine. And I don't think yeah. that's something we've established with Kong. I think if Godzilla burns a hole in his chest, Kong is dead. I think if yeah. Godzilla, or if Kong beats the hell out of Godzilla, Godzilla can sleep it off and come back tomorrow. You know, and I th- and also at the end of King of the Monsters, Godzilla turns into basically like a walking EDM show where he's just blasting like radioactive light all over him and like just burning up anything around him. Like I don't know what like that seems like bad news for Kong. Yeah, yeah, that, and that's the that's the extra stuff in his belt. You know what I mean? It's just like, well, he's got more tricks up his sleeve than Kong does. It's like. Kong could probably beat the shit out of him physically, but he would probably need to seal the deal by ripping his head off, which yeah. honestly, I don't think that would be out of the realm of possibility. Yeah. Um, okay. So yeah, yeah without, I mean, in terms of, in terms of that. Yeah. I, I think that totally makes sense. Yeah. But uh, I really enjoyed the trailer. I, I honestly wasn't looking as deep as you guys. I, I uh, thought about the 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 carrier a little bit, and then just decided to not give a shit. Um, yeah. And um, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm wondering if it's also you know something else you said, Gary was. Uh, I'm wondering if the human element. Um, I don't know. I think maybe that maybe that holds a little more weight with you, and so King of the Monsters was more knockdown, drag out than a story. I'm like, is, does that yeah. sound? there's a story yeah i I mean there is something just enough to annoy you and that's like it's the worst amount of story it's it's the worst like where it's not that interesting at least personally could not give a shit about what happens to any of these people and i was just sitting there kind of tapping my foot waiting for the monster stuff now i like a human element like pacific rim again I liked all yeah. the human stuff because it was they were doing a good job with that. But when it's not that great, it's I can totally I want to just fast forward through it. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Yeah, you're like, who okay. the fuck are these people? I don't care about them. Let's move exactly. on. Exactly. Yeah. You just you just don't care at all. You don't care at all. I, yeah, I but I care. but I enjoyed it, man. Yeah, it was super cool. Uh, I dug okay. it. Uh, so and, so uh, I want yeah. to I, I want to ask I want to ask you guys a question. Would you like me to uh, spoil the trailer slash uh, make you want to rewatch it three or four more times for for other shit? I suspect I know what you want to talk about because I I feel like I see minor spoilers in that trailer, too. Yeah. Yeah. So, Scott, you cool? Yeah, go for it. So so people, people who are listening, if you if you just like the trailer as is. So I will say that I liked the trailer as is. And then Lance Pilgrim. The, uh, you know, Kadoja creative director, cover artist, um, upcoming gallery edition cover artist for the Kickstarter and overall Godzilla nerd. He and I went back and forth and it ended up with me going deep dive on the trailer, including watching trailer analyses. And I sort of hate myself, but oh God. here here's where we are. Right. So if, if you're listening to this and you're you like the trailer and this was just a cool discussion, I encourage you. Look at the show notes and go to the next part. I'm gonna give you a timestamp to go to, okay? Um, but if you want to hang on, then um, should I just do the headline first? The headline is that ain't Godzilla. It's Mecha Godzilla. Okay, I'm gonna minorly yeah. disagree. Okay, so so 
let me let me present my evidence first. Let me present my evidence first. If you rewatch the trailer, and this is tricky, right? You have to, what you're going to have to do is not only pause it in the right spot, but then convince yourself to watch only the first eight seconds of the trailer over and over on repeat, right? And and what you're going to see is there's a moment where you're kind of like looking into a gray sky and then you go down to the ground and there are people running down steps into, I don't know, a subway, something like that, um, on the run from a monster that is doing some mean shit, if you get a really good look at that thing, it has like lights on its neck. And it also has some other things that seem to be a dead giveaway that this is Mechagodzilla. One, right? I would 100% agree with that. That is Mechagodzilla yeah. in that scene. Yes, yes. And then and then the other dead giveaway for Mechagodzilla. So there's there's another dead giveaway. And then there are some subtle giveaways, right? The, the, dead, the other dead giveaway is that um, oh God, it slipped my mind for a second. Oh, it's it's that there's a moment after. So there's the big, you know, aircraft carrier fight, or, or yeah, there's the big aircraft carrier fight, and then as that fades out in the trailer, you cut to like a I don't know, like a white dude saying some shit, and then it cuts to uh, I don't know, I, I believe a, a Japanese actor, and if you look at the screen behind the Japanese actor, it's pretty damn well a mechanical schematic of what looks like Mechagodzilla, so. So those those are the two close things to a dead giveaway. And then there's other subtle giveaways that you can rewatch things for and see. But most notably is the fact that there's that part where the characters are like, boy, Godzilla's acting awfully weird. And then somebody else is like, I think so, too. Or Millie Bobby Brown says something like, I think so, too. So that's also the closest thing to a giveaway. So, Gary, I don't know if you were going somewhere with this. I'm not saying that every fight moment you see in the trailer is Godzilla versus you know, Mechagodzilla disguised as Godzilla, but I I imagine that most of those shots, including the, I guess, heli, uh, helicarrier fight, aircraft carrier fight, involve the fake Godzilla that's somehow masquerading Godzilla or some shit like that. I, yes, correct. I See, I did think perhaps you were going in that direction because I have heard that analysis that maybe we're looking at like a... I don't know what you'd call it. It's like a T-800 version of Mechagodzilla that looks like Godzilla, but it's all like metal underneath. I don't yeah. believe that. I sus- Here's my, we'll, we'll record this. We'll see if I'm right whenever in, what, a few months. But I suspect <laughs> most of those shots of Godzilla and King Kong facing off are real Godzilla. Based on King of the Monsters, they've already kind of established in this universe that Godzilla can sense you know, that there's something up with other Titans and he can go on a tear, like, looking for them. Like, that was kind of the premise of King of the Monsters. I Here's my crazy theory. I think they've got King Ghidorah's head from, like, the end of King of the Monsters and they've used his brain to make, like, a weird Mechagodzilla with his brain. I think that it's something like mm. that. And Godzilla has sniffed this out somehow. And he's gone berserk, hitting all the monarch sites, trying to find this thing. Like, he knows that something, there's something out there. He smells it. He smells King G. And in the meantime, while people are trying to figure this out, it's like, well, let's get King Kong to help us. And they do have some brawls. And I think they'll be like, maybe Kong wins one, and then maybe Godzilla wins one. But then real villain appears in the last third of the movie, and it's like a tag team thing. I think they both yep. bring him down. Now, I suspect... 
toward the end of the trailer, you see King Kong with an axe that looks like it's made out of a Godzilla spine. Yep. And he's swinging it directly at the head of Godzilla. Now that shot, this is me going way out there. I think that's kind of like an Avengers trailer thing where the actual movie that will be Mecha Godzilla and they just swapped it out for the trailer. Oh, that's interesting. Or, okay, so my version of that. So first of all, I agree almost with everything you say. It sounds like we have a mild disagreement on what the real thing at the helicarrier fight is, but that's, you know, that's more of like a, Hey, I won. I owe you a beer, you know, like, or you, you know, that kind of thing. But uh, my, my hunch would be that that could be a big moment where um, he swings down the thing and the, and the skin goes away and you reveal that it's Mechagodzilla. Cause that would be the alternate version. The, the alternate version would be the helicarrier fight was with fake Godzilla, Mechagodzilla. And then fake Godzilla Mecha Godzilla again fights King Kong in the nighttime. King Kong brings down the hammer spike. It knocks away the skin. And now you've got yourself a Mecha Godzilla. And then Godzilla mm. shows up. And maybe there's a tag team and maybe there's something else. That's see. And I, I, the one thing that I would stake like any amount of money on, not any amount, but <laughs> some amount, is like there's no way we're going to find a winner between Godzilla and King Kong in this movie. It's not going to be like yeah. the old Japanese one where like someone seems to have won. I think it's going to be ultimately a draw because they're not going to want to pick a favorite. So yeah, that's right. why there's got to be a third villain for sure. Like Mecha Godzilla is plain as day in the trailer if you're frame by framing. I think. They'll kill it and they'll kind of, you'll have the sort of metaphorical moment of them shaking paws and going their separate ways and that'll be that. Yep. Yep. I'm with you. I'm with you. All right. That was, that was it on that. There, so there's just one adjustment I would say to all this is um, it's not Ghidra's brain in there. It's actually Brian Cranston <laughs> <laughs> and he's ready to make some meth. That, That's right. And, and he's pissed. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's, he's looking for He never revenge. died. Yeah, he never died. He never died. <laughs> um, all right, so so did we want to nerd out on any other pop culture stuff real quick? I have one idea, but the problem is I get the feeling that it would be like a version of that Chris Farley skit where we all agree that, yeah, that was cool, as opposed to talking about stuff. You know, Scott, you, you mean, got any you mean things? You mean me in the last segment where we talked about Godzilla and Kong? Yeah, that was cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically basically yeah um, what are you gonna do they can't all yeah. be winners guys yeah you got it you got anything else on your mind man uh no not not off the top of my head gary what kind of stuff are you into besides yeah, you, got any, you got any pop uh, culture making stuff comics. you want to riff about um well you know i'm into i'm as i think like all through all all of us we're uh wandavision is winning us back after kind of a slow <sighs> yep. start um, mm-hmm. I don't know Keith, how are you, you watching that. Uh, yeah, so I it's it's funny. So I watched episode one and two the day it came out, and and told myself like, oh, this is interesting, and and then episode three came out and I didn't care, and then episode four came out and all of a sudden on my Facebook feed, including Gary, were people saying WandaVision four brings it all together and I'm like okay fuck it I'm watching 3 and 4 then and then sure enough yeah man 4 4 just launched it back into being like a legit good show that got me interested again but uh man I had I I had checked out without admitting I was checking out after the the first two episodes 
Yeah, same. Same. I was I was a little bored. I and I still I see a lot of people on the internet trying to defend the first couple episodes like no, it's great. It's great. It's perfect. I'm sorry. I disagree. I think there wasn't enough meat on that bone for two episodes. I, I, they just weren't interesting enough. I don't think enough happened. I think once you get past the gimmick of, like, look, it looks like a retro sitcom, there's not a lot else there. Uh, yep. Yeah, we, we talked about that a bit on uh, Facebook, and we basically had the same thoughts on it. It was, uh, I'm not a huge phone checker during TV shows, or, you know, if I'm watching something, if I'm watching a movie uh, something that I'm into, I, I won't look at my phone, I won't touch it. But uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, all throughout the first two episodes, I just kept looking at my phone and scrolling. And, and like you said, you know, once you get past the gimmick of it's a retro, you know, bewitched or something, it's it's like there's there's nothing else there. And then by issue four, you get kind of, you're like, oh, hey, I remember when that happened. Oh, oh, that's her thing. And, you know, it's just so many little things uh, get uh, in those first three episodes, they get all brought together in that fourth. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny. It's funny because, um, I'm, I'm totally there with you on the phone checking thing. And, uh, and, and I'm also like that, Scott, I don't really check my phone much either. And I'm just going to draw an interesting, uh, comparison, at least for me is that. So for the movie tenant, have either of you seen tenant? I have not yet. No, no, Chris, no. Uh, uh, Scott, have you seen it? Sorry, Chris, Christopher. Nolan. I have, I have not. Okay, so I, I love Christopher Nolan films in general. Um, he's one of the few filmmakers where, like, I'm like, yeah, it's like basically him and Akira Kurosawa are the only two people where I'm like, oh fuck yeah, they got a movie, and obviously Akira Kurosawa doesn't have any new ones coming out, unfortunately. But um, <laughs> you know, with with Nolan, when when Tenet was first billed, I think that was like a trailer, you know, at at fucking rise of skywalker i think they threw that tenant trailer in there and i'm like oh god yes i'm so in for this right and the uh you know the date came and the pandemic you know blew it out and then i never got to see it and then the reviews came in and it was like a 76 on rotten tomatoes and i kind of let it go and then i finally was like screw it i'm just gonna i'm gonna take the plunge i'm gonna buy it right and so i got the blu-ray and i watched it with my family and uh, so i i love it but I will say it. Look, it is flawed. It is convoluted. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It's going to take three <laughs> or four viewings to really figure out if you're if you're ranking it. If you're if you're getting it close to other Nolan films, it would be like somehow equally confusing, if not more confusing, than the first time you saw Memento with some of the mind bend of Inception. Right? Those are the two films that it feels closest to. In, in the Nolan world. So it it trips you out. And honestly, the best thing you can do, first of all, turn on your subtitles because the sound mix sucks. And um, we Rachel and I thought we were like, well, we're just old. Maybe we don't hear it. Where it turns out that was a huge gripe about the film that you can't really make out what the hell people are saying. But in the world of DVDs and, and you know, renting uh, at your on your TV, you can do that. Anyway, I'm, I, I bring it back to phone checking because um, my, my wife does kind of check her phone during films. In fact, um, movies, TV, it's the kind of stuff that's like good background activity for her, where for me, background mm-hmm. activity is either music or sports. I do not, I do not watch mo- uh, movies or TV shows in the background. It's the only thing I'm doing. And so how much I- does it drive you insane that she checks her phone while you guys are watching something? 
oh, I don't care. I don't care unless it counts, right? So I, I say this because when 10 had happened, I was like, just just a warning. You should probably just put your phone down and watch this, right? And because because it goes it goes fast. I've I've read that it goes fast. I've read that like you're you're not really gonna make much sense of it, blah, blah, blah. And so we get to a certain point and I'm just watching and uh and all of a sudden she's like, wait a minute, what happened on this thing? And I and I went like, you were checking your phone, weren't you? You like looked down for probably like 15 seconds. She's like, Yeah. And I'm like, I told you. <laughs> I told you you can't miss anything. <laughs> you know, like it really does warp your brain that much. So uh so yeah, actually Scott, it, it a, really it, it doesn't bother me much because she always follows what's going on, but like, you know, Chris Nolan ain't playing that shit, man. <laughs> you know, like you <laughs> yeah, you you got to be engaged the whole time. Oh, that's good. I've watched movies with people who uh do not follow everything. They are phone checkers and then they're constantly asking what happened. And uh, it's infuriating. It's one of my biggest pet peeves. That is a huge pet peeve. I don't care what you're doing during the movie. Like, but I'm I'm like you, uh, Keith. I like I. That's I'm locked in. I'm just sitting there, yeah. very focused. And if you're gonna start asking me, like, wait, what just happened? Like, I might lose my shit. I might. Like, yeah. I, I. I just. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We're watching the movie yep. right now. Yeah. Same. Yeah, and again, and and like. she was behaving you know like i I swear to god it was 30 seconds of checking but like 30 seconds matter in tenet i i can't stress that enough so anyway i loved it i can't wait to watch it again just to unpack more you know i so is uh, i i like a challenge is it a flashback uh is it a flashback to uh doctor who or like when how do i okay so a lot of this is dave tenet it was a joke it was a joke oh it was a joke because Dave well, Tenet unfortunately, I don't get Doctor doctors. Who stuff. You could you could make like any kind of Doctor Who joke, and I'd just be like, "Huh?" <laughs> Exhibit A. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Exactly. You just did it. You just did it. It flew yes. right over my head. Flew right over my head. All right. Well. Uh, well. Why don't we go ahead and and just uh, and just bring this to a close then? Yeah. So. Um... Well, fine. I was going to talk about stuff. Oh, go whatever. ahead. What'd you have? You had something? <laughs> you no, you I was just going to say. I, I, well, I, well, specifically comic re- I was trying to think comic related yeah and then Gary mentioned uh, WandaVision which which boom uh do you guys watch the Mandalorian yes oh god yes yeah yeah so, so fucking good um and then I finished uh, Queen's Gambit I watched the first six back to back I binged it and then for whatever reason I didn't watch the seventh one until yesterday and it I think I started two months ago and uh I just have to be in particular moods when I watch something yeah. and that that day I started it, I was completely in the mood. The next day I'm all, no, I'm gonna save it, and mm-hmm. then I left that time frame forever. <laughs> yeah. So, and then yesterday I, I finally got it done. So, gotcha. uh, did you guys watch that series? No, Gary. I've been meaning to. I've I've heard Queen's Gambit is really good, uh, and I've been meaning to. I'm also like kind of into chess, but I I have not started it yet. Yeah, so I okay. I have not, but it's on my short list because while I have. I while Queen's Gambit will not make me a chess player and I will never be a chess player and I never have I am an obsessive Scrabble player and um and there was a period I mean I'm I'm I know my way around a Scrabble board right now I I play through the app and 
you know, hey, man, if you want to try to find me, people look for look for the guy with my profile throwing horns in the cannibal corpse shirt, because that's that's the same me on on Scrabble. Um, but, yeah, I play a bunch of Scrabble. And there was a period where, like, I loved reading books and documentaries about Scrabble and the obsessive you know, world-class Scrabble players, um, very similar to the characters portrayed in, in Queen's Gambit, because I did catch a few minutes while my wife was watching it. And so, yeah, man, I it, it does intrigue me, and I do plan on uh, on catching it soon. Yeah, it's... Uh, I, I played um, a bit of chess when I was younger. Not a lot or anything like that. It's just I had some friends that knew how to play, and then they taught me how to play. Um, I ended up rooming with a guy... And we had opposite work schedules, and I had a chess board that I kept in the hallway. And uh, we had like a tiny post-it note, and uh, we would take turns moving, and then mm-hmm. we would put the post-it note under our last move. And then we'd just go about our day. And then so that w- that way we would know who moved last, whose turn it was, and what move they did. So it was pretty fun. It was enjoyable. I would, I would beat him a lot. And then one day he just got super good. I was like, oh, this dude's straight up been studying. Like he was, he just started murdering me. And I was like, wait a minute. I always used to win. Now he wins easily every time. This isn't cool. But um, yeah, it, it, the, the series draws you in. It's not too long. Seven episodes. I think they're hour long episodes, maybe a little bit longer. I can't remember, honestly, offhand. But uh, yeah, you'll, you'll fly right through it. Rock and roll. Rock and roll. Did you have anything else you wanted to bring up, man? Scott? No, that was that was my last one. Gary, you got any other shows you've been watching? Shows I've been watching? No, not really. I'm I'm kind of a video game geek. So right now I like mm. I I'm always not seeing as much TV and, you know, spending a little too much time playing video games when I'm not working on comics. <laughs> I hear you. I can't yeah. well, we I can't all... do it. Yeah, I, that's not uh, that's not me. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I mean, I'm a huge music dude. So for me, it's like my my I mean, and, and I think, Gary, it's fair to say that's probably your unwind activity. Just like relax and unwind with a video game. Right. Um, yep. Yep. So for me, that's for me, that's vinyl records. Right. I just I just sit around and chill and, and throw a vinyl on and, and I'm good to go. I can't do video games because I get obsessed um, and I will spend countless hours playing that video game until i beat it and um yeah i just i can't do it it's like the i don't get addicted to drugs alcohol none of that stuff but if you get me collecting something or playing video games i will do that non-stop like uh, uh keith a, a few episodes ago we talked about ice cream man i bought yeah. that whole series uh, and it no cost a lot of money. I yeah, was going to, dude. Cost- okay, well now I've got I've got some collector <laughs> respect for you because I know how much some of those fucking issues are. They're a ton, dude. <laughs> I warned you. I warned you. You could have just no. bought a trade for sixteen dollars. That's it's so funny because um, I'm in a, a couple of group chats uh, with with some friends. I have a, a comic book group chat, and uh, we just kind of share what we picked up that week. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, so my buddy told me about the series and I just bought, you know, two through, uh, what was it like 22 or something like that. And I was like, man, uh, I hope Biden really does give us the rest of this <laughs> stipend. <laughs> this, <laughs> and uh, there, my buddy's like, you know, you could just buy the trade, right? I was like, oh my God, how come I didn't talk to you five minutes ago? He's like, I can't tell if you're fucking with me. Yes, I'm fucking with you, idiot. Of course I know there's trade paperbacks out Exactly. There. Yeah. No, I'm you, just, and I, again, I'm- I, yeah, we we come at it. I know that you mentioned that you're a single issue guy and you'd rather just pay for the. I did notice you just said two through twenty two because one goes for about five hundred dollars if I remember right. 
Keith, I have number one also. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, but no, it's it, it, I can't. I know there's easier ways to read it, and I will read it through a graphic novel. I'll probably end up getting it digitally or something like that. Yeah, because now you don't um, want to mess up your 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 freaking valuables, right? Very expensive comic books. And, and this comes back to the addiction thing. It's like... I once you told me about it, I had to have it. It's like I, I can't stop myself. Like, yeah. man, talk about vices. So when Pokemon Go came out, I lost a year of my life because <laughs> n- not o- not only was it a video game, it was a video game about collecting things. Yeah. It was both of my hobbies. Yeah, it's, it's like <laughs> it's like your it's like your uh, Kobe Bryant, Bruce Lee's, right? <laughs> like it's just it's yes. the intersection of Scott Lost's vices. <laughs> yeah, it's just like this is ridiculous. Like so, uh, I had to. I I literally got at least three of everything, and uh, like the rare ones. I had I had everything. I even got the ones that are only available in like Australia, Japan. Um, I found a way around it. I was able to get them. And so like I had to delete it off of my phone because I it was like a junkie. I saw like I was addicted and I was like, this this has to stop. This has to stop. I, I think I created one comic book in that whole year. Yeah. And the worst part was it was a half issue. I only needed 16 pages. Eight of the pages were already done. And I did eight pages in one year. It was stupid. So yeah. Uh, deleted yeah yeah i hear you (laughs) i've managed to resist the pokemon thing but i have to admit and it kicked in right right when covid and the shutdown started happening i fell into it's not cool it's not edgy but i fell into the animal crossing oh my kid plays that yeah i i actually find it soothing to hang out and just watch her play sometimes so, so that's why I think I went crazy with it because, you know, the world was falling apart and all I wanted to do was like, I just want to go and like have a conversation with the koala bear and plant a flower garden. Like that's all I want to do right now. <laughs> yes. yes. Oh, I, I buried myself in work when uh, when the quarantine first started. The This is something I don't I don't really talk about, you know, like on social media normally, but it, you know, where you're in, I, I, it's fair to say, but uh, quarantine actually helped my life quite a bit. Um, I felt more of like a rat on the wheel or, you know, a rat going through the maze, you know, it was just, I was going to work 10 hours a day. I was coming home, you know, making dinner, uh, clean up the house or whatever, and then getting to draw for basically an hour and a half to two hours before I had to go to sleep and do it all over again. And um, quarantine actually let me start telecommuting half of my shifts, uh, more than half of my shifts, actually. So it really does free up a lot of time. You know, it's just like, yeah, I do work quite a bit, but you're getting rid of the the, the commuting time. You know, you're not losing two hours a day or, or whatever the case, uh, just traveling, you know, and you don't have that mandatory lunch you have to take, um, you know, uh, while you're at work. So it's just like, okay. How am I supposed to, you know, do any work digitally if I'm stuck in the office? You know, it's just yeah. I don't have it there. But, uh, you know, this has freed up so much time for me and it actually let me be more productive. I finished Wanderers of Milisanda 2 um, in under three months, which which is probably one of my best times uh, start to finish on a book. So um, 
And then, you know, I've gradually been doing other things, so it's eating up more of my time these days, and I, my process has slowed a little bit. But, uh, you know, I think it's still keeping me mostly productive, which which I've been enjoying. I hear you, man. I had a lot of the same experience. I, I've been able to telecommute most days. I go in about once a week. but And that started when this all started, and I was finishing drawing D versus M 1997, and losing the commute was great. Really great for that. And not only that, I think both you guys can fully appreciate, if you're a creative, what often is competing is uh, social time, going out with friends, going and doing things, seeing movies, going to the bar, going out to eat. And all that stuff was off the table. And that kind of, I mean, it's sad, and I miss a lot of people since this started, but it was great for productivity, Mm-hmm. Yep. Totally agree. I have FOMO as well. I have mad FOMO. So like fear of missing out. So it, on Friday nights, that was the night I needed to go out and see what everyone else was doing. And some nights no one would be doing anything. And I found myself being like, well, this is weird. But then I would stay home and I, I would draw and I would love it. And I'm like, okay, but you know, the state of mind was make sure no one else is doing anything. So you're not the loser. <laughs> So yeah. it's just like you're you're the sucker at home drawing by yourself where your friends are out at the bars drinking or whatever. And it's just like, oh, no one's doing that now. And guess what? My hobby, my my uh, second my second uh, well, my number one choice in career is to make comic books. And now I get to do that without worrying that I'm missing out on uh, other people partying and shit. So yeah, exactly. I do enjoy that. I did, yeah. You already hit record. All right. Well, now I'm now. Yeah, I hit I hit record one minute and 20, 30 seconds ago. Ooh, okay. Well, this is a great sync point again. So, um, what are you drinking? We we got to get to that. Uh, yeah, I'm still rocking these Kirkland Signature Hard Seltzers. You know, Kirkland Signature Hard Seltzer. The word signature made me laugh. Yeah, signature. I I can even picture the fancy font they use for it. Yes, in cursive. Yeah. So it's like Kirk, uh, Kirkland is the giant block lettering, and then signature is in cursive. It's like you guys literally just came out with these. How are these your signature drinks? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think I think that's <laughs> their brand. I think it's like Kirkland Signature Tires. And, yeah. yeah. Kirkland Signature Alka Seltzer, and you know all that shit, right? They got they got all that. Yeah, stuff. I'm just being I'm just being shitty. Overall. I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> that's what I was doing there. World renowned, the world renowned uh, Kirkland. Yeah, yeah. Uh, world famous. Signature hard seltzer. Seltzer, seltzer. So I'm drinking. Um, I'm drinking. This is this is going to lead into the story because this is going to end up being a running thread for a couple episodes here. I am drinking a beer called Cat's Pajamas, and unfortunately, I can't even remember the name of the brewery right now. I should look them up and do them a service, but uh, we're probably going to mention them again. Brewyard Beer Company. It's Cat's Pajamas mm. by Brewyard Beer Company, and. Uh, 
Cat's Pajamas is relevant because we started a bit of a of a Lord of the Rings trilogy here last week when you mentioned, and I'm pretty sure this stayed in the final cut of the audio, that you had had a good Ube IPA last week or the weekend before, mm-hmm. right? And so uh, yeah. this mm-hmm. this is one of those weird, you know, we, we had this just happen with 12, uh, 12 Monkeys and Dutch Angles where where like something just kind of randomly pops up at the same time. So you happen to mention that. And while while you and I were on the phone getting ready to get Gary in for last week's episode, I got a text from my wife and it said, hey, babe. And I'm like, oh, hold on, Scott, man. I, I don't know what the, I don't know which way this is going to go. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. hey, hey, babe can go a lot of ways. Well, it turns out the way it went was she wanted to let me know that um, she well, since she's not around for for Valentine's Day, she had to take care of something. Um she got me my Valentine's Day gift early, and uh, and it was a case of beer of my choosing from Brewyard Beer Company. And Cat's Pajamas is the one that drew her to it because they offered a uh, this is a bourbon barrel aged quad. So mm-hmm. I'm going to be coming with all kinds of fucking insight in like 30 minutes once this thing starts to starts to hit the system. I actually saw that on the the website when um when you when you told me where you were going and you showed me the one beer. Yes. And um I, I showed it to a couple of friends and <laughs> lickety split. They were already on the website. They're like, okay, they got this, 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 and I'm like, geez, Louise. Yeah. And um. But you're. But wait a minute. You're you're getting you're getting to the third act, and we haven't even gotten to the second. Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't say. I didn't say. Yeah. I was letting you build up. To yeah, it. yeah. So so um when so when my wife uh, sends me that she she actually wanted to bring up the fact that they are a Filipino um at least partially Filipino owned brewery, and that's how she found out about it. She found out about it through um one of the Filipino associations that she gets like emails from. I think it's a Filipino business Associ- association. Mm-hmm. And so the first thing on their page is this thing called Ube Wan. And I was like, get the fuck out of here. This is an Ube IPA. This is exactly what Scott was talking about last night, right? So I, I build my case and and on a whim, I just kind of take a, a picture and send it to you. I'm like, yo, check this shit out. You were just talking about something like this last night. And then you were like, whoa. Can you get me some? <laughs> and so, and so that led to you, you know, some for you. Uh, I think you mentioned then that you you kicked it over to your network of friends, and they're like, "Oh, dude, I want some." So, um, yeah. So, yeah. Um, so the same guy, the same buddy that gave me the original one, it's a Harland Ube Milkshake IPA. Uh, since he gave me one, I showed him those. I said, like, dude, oh, look, they have this. And this gets our Star Wars reference out of the way right away because it's a Ube-Wan. Yeah. Uh, like Obi-Wan Kenobi. So, yeah, for the for those out there that haven't seen the picture of the can. Yeah. So it's in the Star Wars font and everything. It's pretty awesome. So I showed it to them, and they were, they were on top of it. They were like, oh, they got this, they got this. This is a Calamansi one. Like, I want to try this. Do you think you can get us some? And uh, so that's when I, I texted you. I said, hey, do you think, you know, and when you mentioned the site thing, I was like, oh, bet this is totally it. Like, because I was I was reluctant. It was like, you know, I'll just get one extra Kate, like one extra four pack or something and then have them split it because I didn't want to like, I don't know, man. It's just like I, I know you got a good job. I got a good job. So to say, hey, do you do you mind fronting the cost real quick and then I'll pay pallet to you? Yeah, so exactly. and I know I know. 
overall it wouldn't be an issue. No. But who wants to do that to a friend? So yeah. it's like when you when you came up with the site thing, I was like, oh my gosh, that's even perfect. Yeah. So I can we can go a little nuts, like not overly, right? Yeah. But um, en- enough to where it's like okay, everyone can get their urges satisfied, satisfied, and uh, you know, have a good time with it. Yeah, so man. I'm excited to try those. Yeah. Man. Now I and I have your beers right here with me, and this will become an ongoing thread, right, for a little bit anyway, because I got to get these beers. Oh, to I you. love it. So um, so yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna drive them down. Oh, yeah. So oh, uh, I actually ended up calling the place because I just wanted the confirmation. So on the website. It says you have to have your ID when you show up to pick up the beer. So I wasn't sure if it was like the name on the order has to match the ID, which is a case in, in other types of things. So I wanted to call to make sure that we would be all good as long as a grown-up showed showed up with an ID to, to yeah, pick up the it, beer. It's more of a 21 and, and over check was my hunch. Yeah. And so and that's what it was. And uh, so I got to talking to him a little bit and I was just like, oh, yeah, you know, like I'm from San Diego, a bunch of my Filipino buddies, like we all saw it and we wanted to would try it out. And he goes, yeah, I'm like, he goes, well, I'm I'm Filipino adjacent. My partner's Filipino, but uh, my wife is Filipino. And so my son is half and I'm like, oh, hey, I'm half, too. And he goes, oh, hey, I made one of you guys. (laughs) So it was a it was a it was a fun little conversation. And uh, yeah, they seemed really cool, and, yeah, he was and chill. so I'm glad he was I ordered from him. He yeah. was chill, you know, and and uh, you know, God, there are there are so many, um, there are so many local businesses and local breweries out there. So you know, any anything that that uh, anything where people can can get a little more interest in your company or product is always helpful, man. So yeah, Brewyard, yeah, again, unpaid fools, Brewyard Brewing. I had an Ube IPA. I, I thought it was very good. It's not. I mean, the, you did say a key word there in yours, which is milkshake, which gen- mm-hmm. generally, you know, that's going to imply some level of creaminess. It's probably going to imply that they're throwing some lactose in there to smooth it out. That's what a lot of people do. So this one isn't mm-hmm. that, but it's still pretty smooth just because of the nature of what ube is and its smoothing properties. And look at me. I'm like a fucking ube expert. I never even knew what it tasted like until six days ago. <laughs> but... But, and it's not like I'm not surrounded by it. You know what I mean? My wife and kids, like there's, you know, these days there's Ube everything. There's a place near me that does um, an Ube milkshake, an actual Ube milkshake with cookie pieces in it called an Ube monster. Mm. And um, like, that sounds great. Yeah. One of my kids, lo- I'm, I'm, I'm going to try it now, now that I'm like a, you know, a hip to this Ube thing. So anyway, um, yeah, man, <laughs> really, really good beer. And, and this one's, this one's going down nice and smooth as we get started as well. I like it. Yeah, I, I saw on the site, too, that it's also limited edition over there, uh, which kind of bummed me out. It's like, man, I would love for that to be an ongoing thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, hey, he's coming down. Maybe he could, you know, maybe he could stop in. and uh, I, I may know. go grab some more. Um, so I, I, we can play that by ear. I mean, I don't know. Limited edition. One of my big theories generally is a, a very well-known brewery here in California is Russian River. And, and they make a bunch of limited things. And then when they're gone, they're just gone. I, I do sort of wonder, you know, like if you find out you have a hit on your hands, are you sure you want that to be limited? You know, like I, I had this exact conversation with one of my friends and he's a huge uh, beer snob. He loves he like a connoisseur, I should say. And um, so I brought that up to him. Like, I just don't understand the limited edition. You got to win a lot. The Harland. So the Harland I, IPA, um, that one was a limited edition you have to win a quote-unquote lottery to even have the chance to buy it Mm -hmm. and i was just like this doesn't make sense for beer like this is beer that you just consume it and then it's gone it's not like 
a limited figurine or statue or something like that, some kind of collectible. Yeah. It's it's something you consume, you yeah. know? And um, he goes, well, they use the Supreme model. And it's just like, well, I think that's a shit model for a beer company. It's like, isn't the goal to make money? Yeah. Like, you can make so much more money if you just keep selling the beer. Yeah, well, and, and that's that's why it's interesting to me. You know, you're you're segueing into something I was gonna sort of try to fit in is um is you know a a legend of Scott and Keith lore, grill them all right where we uh, where we mm-hmm. hung out when we first met or after we first met. You know, grill them all does a modified version of that. What they do is every month, so they have a steady menu of like twelve burgers, and then every month they have a burger of the month. And the thing about the burger of the month is if the burger of the month does incredibly well they add it to the permanent menu you know uh, a couple burgers on their permanent menu specifically one called the metallica which is basically a, it's it's a bacon le- lettuce tomato avocado with ranch on a burger mm-hmm. and when you say what that is it's like intuitive that that would be a smash but i remember when that was burger of the month you know and in fact i even interviewed them for my last podcast and that was right around when it had, it had shot up and be- and joined the the permanent menu and they were like yeah we knew this was going to be huge that's why we gave it a name like metallica like everybody loves metallica (laughs) and everybody loves a blta you know that kind of thing right um but but the point is you can earn your way you know you can earn your way onto the permanent menu yeah no and i think that's a great business model it's like yeah make it make it limited because because then if it sucks then it can go away yeah but but like you said it it can earn a spot onto the main menu and i think that ube milkshake ipa it's like you guys got a legit uh, hit on your hand it's like um uh oh shit what's the name of the um company i'm i'm brain farting right now a sculpin so oh, yeah when ballast point uh, hit their great grapefruit sculpin, when, it, right ex- yeah exactly yeah. and then like when the sculpin came out it's like okay this is your guys's signature beer yep. as far as i'm concerned the sculpin is the shit and then you guys topped it by doing grapefruit sculpted yep. i tried the watermelon one and it wasn't as good but the grapefruit holy shit in my opinion the only two fruits that work really well in beers are mango and and grapefruit and and i don't i don't generally like grapefruit as as itself, me neither you know but boy throw it in a fucking beer and i'm fine it's a fucking garbage fruit yeah nah it's no good but yeah in a beer it's perfect yeah, yeah whatever whatever the reason perfect in a beer yeah yeah it's just crazy the way that shit works so anyway so yeah it it will be interesting to see and i was gonna say too that like you know supreme supreme can do that because they're supreme mcdonald's can introduce the mcrib and keep it around for a month because they're mcdonald's and because they Mm -hmm. they kind of cycle through seasonal stuff like that to keep people coming in you know it's it's fully a fish season it's whatever and a lot of companies can do that but the question is if if you're a company trying to get a leg up in the world can you afford that? Who knows, right? So anyway, we'll, we'll, yeah. see. we'll see. But yeah, I, yeah. I, I actually yeah. like Ube Wan enough where I might head out there as well. So I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll keep my ear to the ground on that and, and see if I can go out there um, before, they, before they pull it. Okay, sweet. All right, so we had a little, little bit of a confusion last week. Um, it was actually your turn. Last week was at 12. So I, I, I guess I'll just go back to back here. I'm going to go back to back. That's how okay. we're going to do Yeah, this. that'll work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, perfect. Yeah, I noticed when we were, after it was over and we were numbering them, I'm like, 12, even? Wait, I don't think that was my turn. <laughs> and that, yeah, I was like, I was like, oh shit. This, the second I listened back to our, our podcast this week, I was like, ah, fuck. <laughs> All right, here we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, you ready? 